before we start, me and Jonathan just came back from New York from four, four, four or five days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, five days, there for five days. And, um, I shouldn't have broken this rule. I always, this always happens to me. Do not share a straw or, or anything I with anybody. Well, oh, I don't know what you thought I was about to say, but I was like, do not share anything with anybody. Sure enough, I did. There's my Bible. <laughs> I was looking for it everywhere. Dang it. Um, I was like, do not share anything with anybody. Sure enough, God, it was like we were passing around the cup to everyone, like communion. And um, I, of course, I got sick now. So last night at church, right before church, <laughs> Jonathan was like, oh, take some of my day quill. But all that was left was NyQuil. So I took NyQuil. And I don't think I've ever taken NyQuil before. I warned you before. I said, don't take the NyQuil. It's going to knock you out. Okay, well, I thought you were being dramatic. Well, I took this NyQuil. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I've never drank before, but let me tell you, I was stumbling out of that church. The second they called altar call, I was hitting the wall. I was like a baby calf. That was so bad. I could not stay awake for the life of me. I couldn't focus. My eyes were growing cross-eyed. I felt horrible. Finally got the heck out of there floored it to my room and just jumped in bed and knocked out didn't you wake up with a hangover yeah oh, okay and then today it literally i don't know what a hangover feels like but <laughs> i felt so horrible literally i walked into work today and one of my my co-worker um she goes she goes wow you look like you're hungover or something i, was like, I feel like i was hit by a truck <laughs> That was, I don't know, I don't know if that did any good for me. It's the power of the NyQuil. <laughs> I don't know what, what NyQuil is supposed to do, but man, it sure knocked me out. I look as you've never used it before. Your body's like, what the heck is this? Because NyQuil is strong. It's supposed to knock you out. Like, while you're sick. Like, the commercial literally says, your best sleep with the cold. Oh. So. Maybe. Oh. And you were knocked out the moment you, I walked I was, into the room, you were. I was gone. Out like light. Well. I do not feel the best. Um, I did have a thought. Forgot the thought. Well, actually, I kind of remember it. But you can start with your thought that you have that you've been dwelling on for this week while I look for my thought that I had. Squander over. Yeah, go, go on. Well, I was doing an assignment for class. <laughs> Still? No, like when I, had, when I first had this thought. Oh. I was helping you with something. And then I got sent to Romans 11, verse 29. And it reads, For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. And we've always heard that before, but for some reason, God just like made me get stuck there. I'm like, what the heck? I feel like the Lord was like speaking to me through this. And the first part is, For the gifts are without repentance. And especially me, my thinking, especially entering Bible college, was those who are using like the gifts of the Spirit, like they're more spiritual. Like, those who are using the prophetic, healing, all that. I'm like, dang, like, they're high up there. Like, they've done something with their lives, you know? But God started to speak to me and said they're without repentance, meaning you could be a complete sinner, but if you have the Holy Ghost, you can access any of the nine gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit don't determine how spiritual you really are. The gifts of the Spirit are meant for God to be able to 
used you to get to other people for whatever knowledge, wisdom, healing. I have never, even though you're explaining it right now, I have never understood this. I still don't kind of understand it. What, is, what does it mean that the gifts of the Spirit without repentance? Meaning you don't have to pray before you're using the gift of the Spirit. You don't have to ask for forgiveness and be clean and be one with God before you're using like the prophetic, using healing miracles, any of that. So can someone who has never been in church, never been baptized, never repented, never received the Holy Ghost, work in the Spirit? No, you have to have the Holy Ghost. That's the one thing. You need to have the Holy Ghost. If you have the Holy Ghost... Prerequisite. Yeah, that's like the only prerequisite that you, I guess, really need. And I feel like I was always like pondered on that thought. To my knowledge was, dang, like those who are like being used in interpretation of tongues, like they're up there. Okay, so if you have the Holy Ghost and it says the gifts of the Spirit without repentance... To find that again, please. I'm going to give you a story that uh, Brother Morgan said. I think it was during a lifeline or during class, but he said someone he knows, I don't want to say who, but someone he knows have the Holy Ghost. They've been in church. They left. They backslid. I don't know for how long, but it was for a while. And God used him. And I think in the prophetic, and he used him to give a prophetic word to a friend. And this is why they were both smoking. Like he was... In sin at that moment, they were smoking, whether it be weed or cigarette, I forgot which one, but God used them the gift of the Spirit at that moment because it needed to be activated. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. The person who was in sin and smoking, they had the Holy Ghost. So they used to be in church, they backslid, and at this moment in their life, they were smoking. I forgot what they were smoking. I don't want to say anything that is. Okay, so hold on. This kind of, this is the question that's just in my head now. It kind of begs the question. I don't know if you can answer it. It's fine. If this person is in a backslidden state and they're actively sinning, does that mean that the Holy Ghost is residing inside of them? From my knowledge, and I could be totally wrong, but... Cause, because now it's that if we have to have the Holy Ghost to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, and it right. says it's without repentance, but he is backslidden in a backslidden state, turned away from God, not living for him, not actively living for him, and he is actively sinning, does that mean that the Holy Ghost just stays, you know, just resides with us while we sin and just we can kind of do whatever we want? Well, that's the whole point of free will. The Old Testament, the Spirit of God will go into people, but it will leave right away. It didn't dwell in people. The Holy Ghost didn't dwell into people until the New Testament. So what I'm saying is, is he's actively sinning. Right. Is the Holy Ghost still in him? Me personally, I would say yes, it's still in you. So does that, if, does that mindset, you know how some people are like, oh, I'm just going to pray this prayer, like, you know, and say, we'll take it a step further. Say they get the Holy Ghost and everything, get baptized. Then they go live their life. They do what they want. They don't give God any time of day. They live in a backslidden state. They sin actively and they don't go to church and all this stuff and don't have a relationship with him. Don't pray. Don't do anything. The Holy Ghost is still inside of you. Right. Okay. So, uh, th- I'm, okay, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. So does that mean you can just kind of, you know, do whatever you want if the Holy Ghost is still inside of you? The Holy Ghost isn't going to possess you and force you to live a lifestyle. I know. It's going to convict you. Same with me. When I got the Holy Ghost, it wasn't, boom, I'm going to live this certain lifestyle. I'm never going to 
speak the way you should speak, think, think the way you should speak, any of that. The whole point of the Holy Ghost, one of the main functions you could say, is sending godly conviction and trying to lead you to a way where you're going to be Christ-like. So I, I wouldn't say the Holy Ghost possesses you and makes you into a robot and you're no, I now know. this like spiritual person, but you could, yeah, like you could be a complete sinner, boom, be using the prophetic, boom, be using the gift of wisdom, knowledge, all of that. I'm just thinking, um, another verse that comes to my mind is like, okay, I know there's another verse, but the only one I can think of right now is in Psalms 51 where it says, do not, I think it's do not hide your face from me, you know, like w when David was sinning. So, uh, what, like, I don't know how to describe what I'm saying, but it feels like, I don't know what I'm trying to say into words. Kind of like in, uh, I forgot what verse it is, but uh, I can't hide your face from you. I think I know you were talking about. The way I would interpret it, and I could be totally wrong, is it's not saying God, like, let's just say in this day and age, you're here, in two months you backslide. God's not going to withdraws spirit from you and you're no longer gonna have the holy spirit inside of you that's not what's gonna happen okay all right there that's might be prayers that you try asking god that he's gonna say no and he's gonna ignore because he's you know but it's not like he's gonna like separate his spirit from inside of you once you have this holy spirit you always have the holy spirit living inside of you so if some okay what i'm saying is <laughs> if you have the holy ghost you're going to heaven it's not to me. It's not once saved, always saved. Okay, that that's what I'm saying. I feel like some people oh, may, may okay, that's what you're trying to say. Yeah, I feel like some people may confuse that once they have the Holy Ghost. Like, okay, that's it. Like, I can go live my life anyway, and I will be in heaven. I can continue to sin and do the things of this world, but I have like this. Oh, okay. Okay. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I know you're pretty much saying, oh, like once you receive the Holy Ghost, like yeah, like some people interpret that as like, okay, I can do whatever I want now. That's why no. I was thinking, I was like, the gifts are without repentance. Like, geez, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> that was mainly for... I'm smoking a blunt and I'm over here yeah. going to be like, all right, I'm going <laughs> to prophesy to you right now. <laughs> that was mainly for the gifts of the spirit, but I, I see where you're coming from. Okay. I feel like God had this pre-planned when he had all this in mind, you know? It wasn't, oh, once you get baptized in Jesus' name, once you get filled with the Holy Ghost, with evidence speaking of the tongues, like, you're going to be saved forever. Because he knew that people would take advantage of that. Yeah. People would be like, oh, I got the Holy Ghost, I'm baptized, I'm going to do the lifestyle I want to. Like, he was smarter than that. But this is just referring to the gifts of the Spirit. But it's also referring to the call of God on someone's life. And it says, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. And there are so many people, uh, what was his name? You don't have to say his name. That doesn't even matter. There's a well-known evangelist. I guess he had the call of God in his life early. Backslid. Did all these things, was about to go to jail for the rest of his life. God intervened. Now he has like an amazing testimony. The call of God doesn't leave someone if they backslide. Same with the gifts of the Spirit. It's not going to leave. Like we take Elijah, for example. Jezebel comes into the picture. And I'm summarizing and making it quick for the sake of time. And he runs away. And Elisha gets raised up. Now God didn't get rid of Elijah's ministry. He gave him a second chance after the angel came to him. And after he came back. He had a ministry still to run back to. There are some people, and I've heard this both ways. There are some people that will say, if you don't pick up your call, you know, and follow it, somebody, God will give it to somebody else, basically. And then there's other people on the flip side that say, 
they'll use certain verses to, I guess, get their point across that who's going to pick up your call? If you don't, nobody will. You're basically like almost in a sense, like you're assigned like, like a, a certain, you know, task or group of people. And like, if you don't do it, those lives are like kind of, I don't want to say on your hands, but in a sense it is, you know, like, oh, I think the example was Jonah. He had a call and he tried running away, tried running away, tried going the total opposite direction of that call. Yet God kept pulling him and reaching him and grabbing him to bring him back. Literally threw him off a ship into a fish, spit him back out and brought him back to answer his call. So I don't think, I feel like I lean towards God has given you a call and if you don't answer it, nobody's going to come as your understudy and take your call. Because if that's the case, honestly, <laughs> if someone else could take my call, I knew you were going to say Sign that. up. Where's the <laughs> list? Who's next in line? <laughs> because I don't want to. Well, oh, no, I need to change my attitude. I need to do it in Jesus' name. But anyways, it <clears throat> it is hard. I don't know. I don't think you can. God's going to bring someone else. I mean, unless you die. I don't know. <laughs> Go on. I mean, I would say like God raised up Elisha after Elijah ran away. And I remember this morning I was reading First Samuel chapter 12, verse 23, and it reads, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right away. I'm going to read that again. God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. In this ceasing? context, in ceasing to pray for you. In this context, it was a sin for Samuel if he stopped praying for the people. It was a sin for the prophet Samuel. Same, I would say, I'm trying so to... So are you saying that if God has called you to do something and you disobey it, it's a sin? Because at that point, it's disobedience. That's true. Okay, disobedience is sin. Okay. Because I remember I was talking to somebody a long time ago and I felt like God was telling me... I'll just give an example. I had a conviction and God was telling me to do it. And I knew that God was telling me to do it, but I didn't want to. And at that point him telling me and me disobeying turned into a sin. That's a sin, yes. Gotcha. And I feel like a lot of times we do that. God says, pray for that person. Pray for your city back home. And we're like, uh, I want to do something else. At that point, it becomes a sin. And kind of like we said earlier, those people's blood are on your hands now. Yeah. So I don't know. And Oh my gosh, I lost where I was. Okay, there is a verse. I think it's um, John 15... Six. I don't know what translation this is. Oh, okay. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. <laughs> so, um, I don't know if this is the exact verse that I was looking for. Um, I don't think it is, but <laughs> I feel like this could apply if... You don't have a relationship with God and you don't commune with him daily and, and pray with him, which honestly, this week has been quite a train wreck after New York. It's always when you go on a trip, you go away, you have a good prayer routine, you go away on a trip or home for the holiday or something like that, and then you just lose it all. You come back to reality and then it's like, 
well, hi, God, I haven't seen you in seven years. <laughs> but um, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Wow. Okay. Basically, <laughs> what I'm thinking is, is if you don't, you know, obey his commands and do what he's called you to do, that you're just, you're living a life for yourself and you'll, you know, kind of see at the end that <laughs> that's not what you're supposed to do. Yeah, I would say a lot of us, like, we disqualify ourselves. We think, oh, God's the one disqualifying us from the call of God. No, we're doing it with our own doubt, own insecurities, own condemnation. The call is without repentance. It doesn't matter how far into sin we are. Our ministry is always going to be there. We can't always put the blame on God. God, like, you won't be able to use me. Look at Paul. He was a murderer of the Christians, and God used him to help out the other Christians. How ironic is that? It it. It is, it is weird. Like It's like you think about it. Say today there was a person in the world that was, I guess, your modern-day Paul that was legit right. like, okay, this is, oh, I don't think I should use this example. That's a little extreme. All right, let's just say there's a mass murderer, okay, murdering Christians left and right, killing them just because they're a Christian. And then out of nowhere, this person gets saved, gets the Holy Ghost, and it's like now preaching basically against what he used to do. He's preaching for people to get saved, for them to get baptized, for them to receive the Holy Ghost. And it's like, you would look at that person and be like, how in the world are we supposed to, you literally were just, are you crazy? Like people would literally diagnose him today as being crazy because he literally was just murdering people. Now he's preaching for people to be saved. That's incredibly extreme. Um, But it's, you also look at it, if God can use somebody like that to be a preacher of the gospel, then he can do anything. Like, there's a lot of times I disqualify myself all the time. God's like, oh, you're going to do this, you're going to do this. And I'm thinking, you know, I think you're speaking to the wrong person. But (laughs) I disqualify myself all the time. But lately... It, it it takes it takes a lot of faith. I feel like my faith has been built up a lot lately. Um, this is just a mini trial. I'm gonna little side note here. Uh, my car, um, I drove through two huge puddles. <laughs> I guess I didn't realize how deep they were. Sadly, this is the fourth car that was uh, death by puddle, uh, death by water, and um, so it died. Long story short. I have to get uh, another car, but it is not easy because I don't have a down payment for a car or anything like that and all that jazz. And I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. I'm like, God, like I need a car. And there's a part of me that I want to have the faith. And a lot of times we'll pray, God, I, I need a car. I need this. I need this for my job. And then the second we like hang up the prayer, we walk away and we're like, Okay, now let me go do this, 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 this. It's almost like I'm stepping out of the boat in faith, praying for it. But then the second I'm done with my prayer, I get back in the boat, back into comfort. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I'll say this. I'm praying that God will provide a car. I'm praying that he'll either provide down payment, you know, like just something. I need, I need a miracle because I, I, I'm now I'm carless. Well, second I'm done with that prayer... 
I said to myself, okay, now let me see if I, if I hit up this person, I do this, maybe they can sell me this car. If I can do this and this, maybe I'll have enough money to buy this car. So I'm like, as soon as I hang with that prayer, I'm like, okay, let me take back over the wheel. Let me figure out how I can get this car. Let me take it into my hands because I don't have enough faith to trust that God can bring me a car. Right. So the other day when I was praying, and honestly, I feel like I've done that most of my life, but I think it was like two days ago when I was praying, I was like, God, I, I need a car. I need this, 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 this. Um, I need your help. Like I'm having faith that you're going to provide. I don't want to try to take, take the reins, take over and uh, do it myself because you know better. So I prayed and I felt like God was saying, give me a week, like wait one more week before, you know, like, you know, I, I do anything myself. So here we are. I mean, hopefully maybe I'll have some good news to report the next podcast or two. Who knows? But I'm praying that I'll have the faith to LOL, step out of the boat, and God will provide a car. I don't know where that came from right now, but I was just talking about faith and stepping out into your calling and somehow that turned into my car. <laughs> oh, I guess we could share what I was going to say. I was going to... F- uh. I was thinking about this week, Matthew 6.33, where it says, which honestly, you should probably read this in your version because I'll read it in mine, then you read it in yours. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. I think they're identical. Really? For that verse. Oh. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I think Katie, seek ye first the kingdom. Okay, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. I was thinking about that verse these past, I guess, like a couple weeks, because a lot of times when we go to prayer, um, at least for me and some of my friends I know, that you know we'll just go in there and be like, Lord, I need this, 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 my car, I need you know, a higher pay, uh, I need this paid off, I got this debt and stuff like that, I got a school bill, um, all these things, and then you know, we kind of forget about, you know, God's kingdom. And I know I've said this before where what kind of relationship, say you're married and you're in a relationship and you just (laughs) go to your wife and say, I need this, 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 all right, bye. And then that's it. Like that's all the, that's the relationship you have with her is one sided you asking her for everything instead of taking a second being like, okay, what do you want me to pray for God? Like what, what needs to be done in your kingdom? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And so I think one of my prayers we're praying a lot lately for seek ye first the kingdom is for you know the big cities i think there's a lot of big cities where it could be influential in this last hour that we're here on earth and so i pray for seek ye first the kingdom and it's it's cool i've noticed i've heard people say this but i started to notice for my own self when you start praying for the things of the kingdom and you start focusing on it you really start interceding for lost souls people at your job people at church that you're friends with uh anybody that that you feel god's leading you to pray for all those other things in your mind are like those all those other worries like begin to fade away and they like it says and these things will be added unto you it's like god's gonna take care of everything else you take care of my kingdom and i'm gonna take care of your needs so that's been dwelling on my thoughts a lot Lately, I've been praying for God's kingdom come to be uh, be done in Los Angeles, to be done in Miami, to be done in New York uh, recently. Actually, that's a cool story. When we were in New York, 
we walked by this huge church right in front of Rockefeller. And it's a massive church, and they don't really preach the Bible. But I remember walking by it and thinking to myself, you know, God could do anything. God is, oh, it's not, God is the God of the impossible. Well, is, is that how it's said? Impossible. I don't want to quote it wrong. <laughs> but, you know, God could do anything. You know, nothing is too big for our God. You know that song? My God is more than enough. He will survive. So, literally any prayer that we can think of, it's like it's, it's not like God's going to be like, oh, you know, that's too big for me. Yeah, ask another God. It literally... We're walking by and I'm thinking, this church could be a lighthouse in Manhattan, in New York City. This could be turned into a truth-preaching church that preaches the truth, the apostolic faith. And I was like, as I'm walking by it, I was kind of, I don't know, and I don't think any of you heard me, but I was mumbling on a road. I was like, in the name of Jesus, this church will be preaching the apostolic truth. And yesterday I was praying for it. I was like, God, I pray that this church will have the truth be preached in it and that many souls will be baptized here they'll receive the gift of the holy ghost and it'll be a lighthouse in this dark dark city of manhattan and i was praying for it and man i got chills yesterday morning i was like i was like in the name of jesus i, I command i rebuke eddie's a tactic of the enemy ball and I was going against it and I was really getting into it I was like man this is cool because I felt to pray for it and I knew that God was leading me to pray for it and because I did I felt like I was in the vein there I was like I was like ah it was really cool but um yeah I was praying for the things of his kingdom first and sooner or later all my thoughts all, all the things I've been worried about it's like eh God's got it covered so that's was my food for thought for the week I feel like Caleb Herring said it best. He said, when you make God's business your business, he's going to start making your business his business. Mm. And that always stuck with me. And he was correlating to that verse where you got to start being more kingdom-minded. Stop being selfish with your prayers. Yeah. So. Yeah, can you imagine, like, I know that I'm here by the grace of God, and I know that I'm here because of the prayers of some people. And almost I feel like, I don't know if the correct way to say it is, I have to kind of pick up the, the slack. Now I got to start praying for all my lost friends. There's so many people in my circle that for the most part, I know that they don't have anybody with truth around them and they're just walking blindly kind of in the lost and they think they're fine. Some of them think like, you know, like, Oh, I prayed the prayer, prayed the sinner's prayer. Yep. I'm locked in for good. I can live any way I want. I haven't been to church in 10 years. You know, like I haven't had a relationship with God. I haven't talked to him in a long time, but you know, I prayed that prayer. So I'm going to heaven. That's my get out of jail free card. But I've been praying recently for a lot of my friends that even in elementary school, middle school and stuff, because I don't know who is, you know, who's going to pray for them. And I remember um, a pastor said, if you don't think that, that prayer can destroy the plans of the enemy or mess up the plans of the devil, then you have brain damage. <laughs> so that honestly, that one little line changed my perspective on prayer greatly because I know that since we've been at Bible college, yeah, our perspective on prayer has been greatly changed. But I think 
even just in that one service, I thought it was already changed, but it just took it to another level. It's like, man, that's so true. Our prayers are way more powerful than we think. We underestimate prayer a lot. No, we really do. We think because we don't get the results right away. It's like, mm-hmm. oh God, you're not there. Yeah. And we start dying down to our own belief. It's like, yeah. And the biggest way to build faith, at least in my life, is you, you hear all the time, you hear people say, you hear preachers say, we're going to build faith today in the atmosphere. And then like they, they give all these stories and everything. And it like, just like it, you know, builds people's faith, but there's nothing more that will build someone's faith than something that you have prayed for, for years. And you see it come to fruition and your faith is built through that. It's like, wow, like I prayed for that and it happened. That's crazy. When something actually happens in your life, when it's part of your testimony, it's like, okay, that built my faith. There's something I've been praying for for years for a family member. And then it happened. And I was like, wow, God really can do anything because that situation looked impossible. And here we are now. It's literally happening in front of me. I never yeah. thought this day would come. So ever since that day, which literally happened <clears throat> less than a year ago, I'm glad that my faith has been emboldened. I'm like, in Jesus name, that church will be preaching. Like, I'm like, like now I'm like, that can happen. That can happen. My God can do anything. My God is more than enough. <laughs> so yeah, no, that's, that was my thought. <clears throat> you have anything else to say or no? All right. Well, I think, I think this is episode 26, 20, I think it's episode 26. Hold on. Let's, let's check that real quick. This is episode 25. One off. One off. All right. That's all.